welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zerl. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone'sCriticPodcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle there is CriticsPod. Uh, listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, all your podcatchers. If you rate and review the show, we do have a giveaway, which you can check out on our social media sites. Uh, Sean, tell me a little bit about the giveaway. Uh, yeah, just a couple of Blu-rays, a uh, couple of weird titles out of uh, Asia that not many people have heard of, but that you could have in your collection that nobody else has. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so rate and view the show. Give us a five-star review. Then let us know you did it, and we'll read it on the air, and we'll get those copies to you. Uh, Patreon.com slash CriticsPod is the best way to help support the podcast. And then TeePublic, I hate critics.net. If you go to the TeePublic page up in the right-hand corner, you can buy some of our merch. Uh, our Batman versus Jesus, the Willem Dafoe, this curiously large penis, the Cameron Diaz's shoulder, our logo, Lord of the Fitbit, all our all of our merch is there. Uh, what does it say about it, about us subconsciously that uh, when we think of Willem Dafoe's penis, it's on a it's it's stuck like a fork? <laughs> uh, I blame cousin Jeff for that one. It was uh, <laughs> apparently it was similar to a logo he saw where where he was living at the time or had lived at one point, and it inspired his design. We weren't even going to do the shirt. He just he made it and said, "Hey, look at this. What do you think?" And I was like, That's "So this amazing. is a psychological insight into Jeff." Then okay, <laughs> but it, it, it's an amazing shirt. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I don't wear it in public, <laughs> <laughs> but I wear it on the show on occasion. Uh, we are on YouTube Live. I do send out a link to our social media pages when we do go live. So if you want to listen, check us out there. Uh, I keep trying to give you a time, but it's been raining on the last few few weeks, so we'll see. No more random than this. Yeah, this is as <laughs> random as it gets. Midday on a Monday, uh, holidays. It'll do that to you. Yeah. But, uh, let's go ahead and get the show started, and we will start. Oh, come on, cursor, where'd you go? There we go. We will start with Zola. Zola is a movie based off of a Twitter feed. Uh, a woman who was uh, a dancer was traveling with another dancer, and she <laughs> started this thread on Twitter telling, telling people about telling people this crazy, stupid, ridiculous story about what was going on. All she wanted to do was just go down and make some money you know, working at a strip club. And she ends up with this woman who's just and her her boyfriend is there and also her pimp. Maybe depends on the definition. <laughs> He's definitely seems like a pimp. There are pimp surroundings, but nobody ever calls him a pimp. He's played by Coleman Domingo, who's uh, one of my favorite supporting actors, is one of the best supporting players in in the world today, and uh, <laughs> he's got a lot of funny moments in this. Uh, the star of the movie is uh, a woman named Oh gosh, now she's now her name is escaping me, but her last name is Taylor, I believe, and she's just I've never seen her anything before. She's amazing just so self-possessed and so brilliant and so deadpan and she's just she's really allowing the comedy of this to just sort of play across her face and just how ridiculous it all is uh and and that's really the the, the proper approach to this is because it is a, it's an insane sort of situation that is unfolding before her and and so and very specific at the same time 
Uh, I don't want to go into too much of what happens. If you read the Twitter feed, you know what happens. But uh, if you if you haven't read through that and you don't know the whole story, then I don't want to spoil it for people who are going to you know learn a few things along the way that are really weird and interesting. Uh, there, there's really like nothing like. There's no death or anything really, but <laughs> there's just a lot of there's a lot of surreality and uh, and nothing you can't believe in. Like there's nothing supernatural about it. It's just it's just this real this weird situation that this woman is in and how she regards it. And that is a really an interesting approach uh, to a movie. Is just trying to adopt. They're adapting essentially a perspective, a point of view. Uh, they're just and trying to capture this very unique wit that this woman has about this very unusual situation she finds herself in. And she's just an incredible actress. And the direction is really strong on top of that. Uh, then we've got Riley Keough, who's really living into this role of this of this bizarre <laughs> creature that she is. I don't really know how to describe her because she's. She's just. Uh, I, I don't. I'm not going to insult the woman. I don't have anything insulting to say. It's just that she she knows who she is. She knows what she likes to do, and she does it. And maybe there's more to it than that in terms of the depth of her psychology. But we're not necessarily going into that. We're just sort of meeting her in a way that is just <laughs> very unusual. So, so I haven't read the Twitter feed, uh, yeah. and quite frankly, until I found out. Like printed this picture out and saw A24 at the bottom. I was like, God damn it. Uh, did not know it was behind A20. A24 was behind it. Uh, this is an A24 movie, all right. Is this a true story? Yes. Interesting. Uh, yes, yeah. I mean, if you believe what she says, then, right. then yes, it's entirely subjective to her perspective. But uh, that's the thing is that they, they aren't even adapting it like a story, really. They're adapting a perspective. They're adapting a personality, essentially, to the screen. And that's such a unique challenge that they pulled off incredibly well. That's awesome. And it's only in theaters right now. That's amazing. Yeah, it's only in theaters right now. And uh, I, I was really excited to get a chance to see it. I couldn't wait. I knew. I, I, I thought you knew it was A24. I didn't know. You- I've been so busy. I, I'm sure yeah. I have at one point. I mean, I had heard about this in the Twitter feed, and then I, it, in you know, I heard about it, then I moved on, and then it popped up here and there, but I just, it wasn't enough that I remembered it. And I mean, it was, what's exciting to me is uh, I did a podcast with this guy named Metal Bob. He has a separate podcast. We're kind of going to co brand. He's going to run the episode on his feed we'll run it on ours it'll probably come out this friday uh but in it i talk about how what i miss more more than like a marvel movie in the theater is movies like this is the a24 type movies those are what i need to see in theaters not that i need to yeah. but i really like seeing them in theaters uh granted the weekend i'm available you know that that makes a difference too uh, the in-laws don't come into town every weekend and when they do <laughs> i don't get to go to the theater uh <laughs> But this one looks sound. Just, I mean, it just sounds neat. I mean, you haven't even said if it's good or not. You just kind of <laughs> talking, <laughs> and I'm intrigued. Uh, the poster is intriguing. The A24 link is intriguing. Everything about it is just so A24 that I, I'm in, and I want to see it really yeah. bad. This is the best uh, social media internet movie outside of maybe obviously the social network. Like it's just, it's so good at adapting what social media is and how people represent themselves. And, and the, and the, the uniqueness of that is, uh, I learned a lot 
<laughs> so does, does Twitter play a role in this? Uh, no, well, a little bit. Like the Twitter sound effect is is used in a way that's very interesting because <laughs> at a certain point she'll say something and then you'll hear the the little tweet the little Twitter sound effect go off and she's like <laughs> kind of telling you she just said this on Twitter this exact thing because she talked the way she narrated the story on Twitter is <laughs> she's telling you a story. That's fantastic. Yeah, and I, just the, so specific. I mean, the way that they adapted this woman's voice, and and then on top of just adapting her voice, they they just they captured what was so riveting about the Twitter feed, <laughs> but also then they create a movie around that with really uh, interesting and intriguing and weird characters. That is awesome. I can't wait to see this movie. Uh, does I honestly ha- think it'll it'll be it'll be one of those top ten movies for you. I think if you see it. Yeah, I was just going to. Not add. that it's not on mine; it's it's up there on mine. But I saw something else that is kind of pushing this one aside for me this week. Oh, awesome! Yeah, All it's right. a good week. <laughs> All right, well, let's just move on to the next one, uh, the God Committee. Well, it's not this one. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Although, again, there's my guy Coleman Domingo. He's incredible. This movie is awful. This movie is borderline unwatchable at times. Uh, the God Committee is a movie about doctors who are on a transplant committee and they have to make the decision of who's going to get a heart uh, in a heart transplant. Uh, he's the Kelsey Grammer is the the super genius heart surgeon. Julia, Julia Stiles is the up and coming heart surgeon. Janine Garofalo is the boss of both of them. And, uh, and Coleman Domingo plays a lawyer who's representing kind of the hospital, but also kind of the interests of this super rich guy played by Dan Hedaya, whose son is one of the three people who could get this heart that's available. And cynically, you kind of know where that's going, like, because the movie is very cynical and it has a very cynical perspective from the very beginning. So, you know, that from that cynicism, that it's probably going to be the rich guy's son who gets the heart, regardless of the story that they're telling. So then it has to be about filling in between there. And this movie doesn't fill in between there very well. There's a line in this movie that I'm big on lines that break the fourth wall. Like I wrote this whole lengthy essay about that line from Venom, like a turn in the wind, like that, that line for me broke the fourth wall and it broke the movie for me because I couldn't, I didn't care about anything else. I just kept hearing that line in my head, like a, like a bad riff in a song. Like it's just the, it just ruined the whole thing. And in this movie, Kelsey Grammer actually has a line and he's actually got like three of them, but this one is the one that stands out. He talks, to, he's talking to Julia Stiles and he says, uh, your problem is you fail to recognize that the heart is just a muscle. And I just about vomited. <laughs> I just about vomited upon hearing it. In fairness, <laughs> if you had, I mean, just him on the cover breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> I mean, everybody else in this that, movie, I, I, if you would put anybody else in it, I would have been like, oh, there's a shot it could be good. The fact that he's front and center, no offense to him. He's a TV star. Right. Frasier and Cheers are amazing shows. But just him as the lead in this movie. Everybody else, I, I, you know, I like Coleman Domingo, like you said. Julia uh-huh. Stiles is fine. Janine Garofalo, love her. But the fact that he's front and center is breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> <laughs> and he's banging Julia Stiles. <laughs> oh, don't ruin Julia Stiles for me. 
<laughs> in the movie. And the reason That's I the, say that like, is... I just don't buy that. I don't buy that for a second that she has any remote sexual interest in him. Right. <laughs> and the only reason that I say that, I don't want to... I'm not trying to right. be misogynistic. It's just she doesn't choose movies a lot. You know, she's been avoiding yeah. movies. And yeah. then she picks this one. Makes me a little, you know... I don't know that that bums there, me out a little there bit. There are ideas here, like there's a right. there's a big big idea at the center here about the ethics of hospitals and the way we fund hospitals, and uh, that's an interesting aspect. But this movie also has this weird thing where it's telling uh, two different time frame stories, so it's telling us this story about the, this particular heart transplant, but it's also telling a story ten years down the road when, after everything has happened and the the somewhat fallout of that and. It, <laughs> here's the thing like they portray kelsey Grammer's character like he is this big arrogant big-headed you know heartless guy who he's he's all science and then he's portrayed as the hero fighting for ethics and it's like <laughs> you, you put you're picking the wrong hero here and it's such a turn because you think he's the one who's just going to go well we need the money so we'll just give it to the rich guy's son that's the role that he's supposed to play here and I get that maybe they're trying to twist convention by not having him be that, but you cast the wrong guy then because he looked, look at him. He looks like a villain. <laughs> that stupid hairpiece. He looks like a fucking villain. Anytime he puts a dumb hairpiece on, he like Kelsey, we've seen you for, you've been on television for 40 years, dude. <laughs> like we know what you look like. Stop. Like you're, this is embarrassing. He takes this off. Of course, the 10 years down the road, but. Whew. Yeah, I mean, uh, you almost need it, and we'll get to them later, but like a Steven Soderbergh or a Tarantino directing movie like this with Kelsey Grammer in it for Kelsey Grammer to work. You know, <laughs> you can't have just, there's only a handful of directors that can really make you forget that Frazier's in your movie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's not fair, but it, it's right. a reality. And yeah. uh, that, yeah. I there's just. Uh, there's this really like they can't Janine Garofalo's character isn't on screen enough to make enough of an impact that they have this twist regarding her character. And it's like, she's barely a character in the movie. How, how's this, how am I supposed to buy into this big moment where she's being confronted about something and she's barely a character in the movie. He's been the main character the whole time. He should have this burden on him. That's where the burden should go. The, it, the, all the pieces are in the wrong place. Coleman Domingo's character is played off like at first, like he's advocating for them to take the money, but he's not. He's also a lawyer who's also a priest for some reason, which is never explained. It never <laughs> happens. <laughs> Nevertheless, this never explained. But he's he's like at one point you think he's kind of a villainous character, but then he's also like not a villain. It's bizarre. This movie makes no sense. Yeah, it does sound like a neat idea. But Bob, just remember, you fail because you fail to recognize that the heart is just a muscle. (laughs) I mean, credit him for being able to say that without giggling, because I can't. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to another movie that takes place both in the present day and in the future, The Tomorrow War. The Tomorrow War stars uh, Chris Pratt and Yvonne Strahovski and uh, Betty Gilpin uh, from The Hunt. Uh, 
And the story goes that there's a, a war happening like 30 years in the future, and they've figured out time travel. And so the the people of Earth 2050 come back in time to 2020, and they're like, hey, all these alien fuckers are killing us. We need your help. You need to come forward and bring all your best warriors to help us fight this future war uh, to save humanity. And they start drafting people who are going to be dead before 2050 <laughs> so they can so they won't run into them their future selves i guess and uh eventually chris pratt is among those who gets uh, drafted he's a school teacher but he's also a former iraq war uh veteran he's also like a scientist on top of that <laughs> to combine all these dumb elements together into one character and then they just enact a bunch of action movie alien cliches until at, yeah ad infinitum and then the movie ends and I didn't care. It's long. I like Chris Pratt, but he's not he's not likable enough in this movie or believable enough in this role for me to care enough to want to watch this movie. Yeah, it's fine for the audience that doesn't listen to our podcast or movie buffs. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, and that's what they're going for. It left me wanting, you know being a fan of glow and a little bit of the was it nurse Jackie. And then, uh, and then the hunt is like, you right. know, I'd love to see Betty Gilpin in this role. Let her be the star. She doesn't really right. gotten that chance too much. And I know she can do it because the hunt's freaking amazing. And if you don't like the hunt, she's still really good in it. Yeah. Uh, and not that Chris Pratt's bad, but he gets to do everything all the time. I mean, he's got Jurassic park. He's got the guardians of the galaxy, you know, and this, not that, I want Betty Gilpin wasted in this movie. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but it left me wanting that. And then I'm sitting here thinking like, I'm about how this movie kind of cop out cops out the whole time. Yeah. The, some, something happens that seems somewhat dramatic, but he can go back and fix it because you're dealing with time travel. Right. And in a way, this movie has no balls whatsoever for lack of a better phrase. Uh, because it's safe, you know. <laughs> it's yeah. a typically '80s movie or action movie, not '80s movie. Uh, J.K. Simmons is probably the best thing in it, I guess. Jacked J.K. Simmons, jeez. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's definitely stupid, but it works for what it's going for. But I mean, I mean, even if you look back at like a movie like Armageddon, at least they have the balls <laughs> to kill off a main character. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, not that you needed that here. Uh, I would watch this before I watch Armageddon again if you put a gun to my know, head. But movies didn't necessarily do that a lot back then. And I don't know. Again, this works for what it, for the audience it's going for, but it's not. Like my it's not good. Like it. It's not a good movie. The aliens are dumb looking and look like, you know, aliens in every other f- stupid movie and uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, I wonder if anybody can guess who Ivan Strahovski is. <laughs> they don't even. Try, they don't spend much time. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's a, it seemed to surprise him, but it was not a surprise to anybody else. I don't think. No, it, but and it just like the way it was delivered. Yes, he was surprised, but it wasn't like, oh my god, here's the big moment in the movie. It just kind of happens, and it, that's kind of a moment somewhat lost. Hey, your name's Forrester. My name's Forrester. Uh, Wait a, a minute. <laughs> you would have thought he would have gotten there faster than we did. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's 
it's it is what it is. I it, it's it's sad because he's trying. You know, he's trying not to be. He's trying not to be Ryan Reynolds. He's trying not to be you know Chris Pratt in every movie. I I, I understand the desire, uh, but you got to pick better. You know, like Ryan Ryan Reynolds picked buried. He picked uh, that movie where he's a serial killer. Like he's you know he's he's made better choices. He he's picked a lot of movies though that were yeah not oh Hitman's the Hitman's movies yeah those although I'm not even talking about those those are those work for what they're going for too <laughs> it's like Amityville Horror and uh, yeah there's a couple other romantic comedies that he's done and yeah he's definitely definitely maybe missed. he's a really good movie though I mean, he's gotten some right uh, and Chris Pratt's just been a blockbuster guy in Parks and Rec <laughs> so there's really not. <laughs> This is definitely probably the worst thing of all the main things you know that he's done that I can think of in terms of the mainstream stuff. Yeah, because I kind of like the Jurassic Park movies. Oh, yeah. I think those are fine for what they are as well. All right. Let's move on and talk about Summer of Soul or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. Quest Love. Summer of Soul. Put together by Quest Love of the Roots. Uh, takes us back to 1969 in the summer in Harlem, New York, where there were a series of concerts called the Harlem cultural festival they happened over a five-week period i believe where just every weekend they brought in a bunch of incredible artists and they filled this park with thirty thousand to fifty thousand people every week to the point where they they estimate that maybe three hundred thousand people passed through this park and saw these shows and uh, that is incredible fun but it, the the what what moves me so deeply and why i think this is so brilliant isn't just the music it is the way that Questlove and the people behind this who put this together are bringing back a memory for people that this very basic, very human feeling of, of recognition, of sensing another person's humanity. Uh, there's a guy who's interviewed in the movie called, his name is Musa Jackson, and he's, he was there at several, of, if not all of these concerts back in 69, and then for the past, you know, 51 years, these tapes have been gone. Nobody's seen them. And you watch him watch these things to have him. And you're watching this glee <coughs> bubble up within him over seeing this again and him having, you know, recovering these memories that he had. And it's so human and so beautiful. Uh, those so human and so beautiful. It just reminds you. Of, of something that I think all of us can relate to because it happens to every one of us where something, whether it's uh, a movie, a book, a picture, uh, uh, anything can do it, can trigger a memory that is one that maybe you forgot and there it is again. You pick up an old photo of somebody you haven't seen in years and it brings back those memories and that gleeful moment and it. That is that is compassion. That is, you know, that is a basic human experience that everybody shares. And it, it really reduces humanity down to its very essence for just that moment where everybody feels that regardless, you can be black, white, whoever, everybody's had that. And that shared experience to me is so incredibly moving that as, as amazing as the music is, I was focused on that. There's that, and then there's he does it again with uh, Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis, who were part of the Fifth Dimension, and they get to watch themselves perform from back in '69, and they're they're got tears in their eyes remembering it and recalling stories, and it's beautiful. And I know other other things have done that, 
But this one, for some reason, felt just a little bit different because it's got that soundtrack with it. <laughs> but it's also just just the, hum- the that wonderful humanity that he captures here is just so beautiful. And I, I, I just this is one of the best things I've seen in year in years. It's one of the best movies of the year. It's just an incredibly moving documentary. Clearly, Questlove doesn't know that the heart is just a muscle. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's. I mean, it's funny you mention that because that's something I've always, it's something I've always talked about just in conversation. Is there is no, like you know, they say money can't buy happiness, and throw that out. It's not that. It's everybody can still reach the same level of happiness in a certain moment, and it, whether you have money or not, everybody. It, it's when you're having a great time, you're having a great time, no matter what the scenario, and. Yeah. Uh, that's something that's really important to remember, especially when you're not when you're feeling down, is that you, you can still achieve that level of happiness that uh, that anybody you know that anybody can achieve. Whether you're on your things like the going on African safari that costs you a hundred thousand dollars, or if you just want to sit around in your trailer park and drink bush light and have a great time, no matter what, you're probably at the same level of happiness. You know what I'm saying? And everywhere in between there, you can, everybody can get there. It doesn't matter what, you know, and I'm glad this movie captures. I have not seen this. I want to see it really bad. I know it's on Hulu, right? Uh, I simply ran out of time because I have people visiting me this weekend. Uh, and I felt it was more important to see the Tomorrow War, uh, just because it's a bigger movie, right? But uh, this one I would have rather seen. I will definitely see it because this is right up my alley. I love music and I love movies about humanity. I love documentaries like this. Yeah. Uh, it just looks phenomenal. I can't wait to finally watch it. There's there's this wonderful stylistic choice that he makes where um, <clears throat> when he's interviewing these people, you can see in their eyes, the flickering of the video of the movie that they're, they're watching oh, this footage. Neat. And it's just so like, cause you, cause their eyes are watering a little, you know, they're getting welling up and, and you can see it playing across their face and the realization of them and it all coming rushing forward from the back of their mind. And it's just beautiful. And the cool thing about that is it was probably an accident <laughs> cause you can't fake that. Yeah. That the emotion you can't, be, Oh shoot. I, let me do this. So I can get the reflection in your eyes. You can't do that. You know, you have to catch it in the moment and they clearly did. And that's, that's amazing. I can't wait to see this. And, uh, Chris, Nina Simone performs in this and it is, <laughs> it is ferocious. <laughs> it is ferocious. I loved it. Ah, yeah, definitely check this out on Hulu if you get a chance. Oh Yeah. And then No Sudden Move, a new Steven Soderbergh movie on HBO Max. Yes, uh, No Sudden Move stars Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro as completely unrelated, unknown to each other criminals who get hired for the same job. Uh, They're going to be uh, working together to babysit the family of David Harbour, who is being uh, blackmailed into stealing a piece of information that is being kept at the company where he works. so they're sitting with his family, essentially they're, with them there with guns is going to force him to go do the job. Uh, then it becomes a series of, of uh, double crosses and double crosses on top of double crosses on top of double crosses until for me, it just became too much. I, not that I couldn't follow it. I was following it, but I also 
wasn't investing in any of these characters. It's an incredibly uh, cynical movie in that way. And they're all bad people. And I, I get it because this is a criminal world. And I, I, the real point of it, I guess, is that he wants to tell this very true story about how, uh, about how car companies tried to hide the catalytic converter. They were trying to hide what the car was doing to the to the environment and how this invention could could uh, cost them a great deal of money, but also that they, because they would be required to put it in every car, and they were trying to hide that. That's this. That's the essence of what's at the point. I'm not if I'm spoiling. I don't think I'm spoiling anything. Well, they treated by saying that, that. they treated it like it was a freaking suitcase and Pulp Fiction. Yeah, because they're know, not really telling you what it is. I mean, they are telling the you at the end. end but, yeah. It's like a dollop with no laughs to me. That's it really is like there's because there's no there's no absurdity. There's no fun. There's no there's nothing funny happening. Nobody's commenting on this and and giving you the, the you know the jokes that you're desperate to see. And there there should be. It feels like there should be something funny about this. And nothing funny happens. And all it is is just the series of machinations of of things that happen of this person double crossing this person and. And I don't think anything in it is particularly clever. I think Don Cheadle and ben Benicio del Toro are, are incredible actors, and I buy into what they're doing. But I, uh, I didn't care. I wasn't in. I wasn't invested in any way. Yeah, it's sadly this would have been better done by like Adam McKay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not that he's a better director than Steven Soderbergh. I mean, this is just it plays more like homework, uh, similar to. I mean, I don't want uh, traffic's better, but it's also a movie I don't really care to ever watch again. <laughs> right? I don't. You know, it, it's it was good the first time. I mean, at least Aaron Brockovich is somewhat entertaining, I guess. Yeah, but, like she's really charismatic, and, right? But I just the, and looking, heroic. And looking through when we were when we were flirting with the idea of doing a Soderbergh movie, I didn't really want to do any of them. <laughs> because in some ways he's a lot of homework on his filmography that's not necessarily great and even watch looking at the reviews he's definitely not you know i know i mentioned had you know he directed the god committee it'd be better than it was and i say that because brendan fraser was believable in the role i wasn't distracted like i would be if any a lesser director had done it but that's where right. it began and ended with me there's nothing wrong with this movie other than it's not that like you you it's just hard to stay invested is really what's yeah. the biggest problem with the movie there's not an intensity to it and there's not a entertainment level to it it's just a straight ahead movie with too much going on to the point where you stop you almost have to be so interested in the subject matter and therefore it becomes homework again so i i, I it's i hate to call it bad because the performances are great right. but it's just I definitely had to keep turning it off and coming back to it because I just didn't care. There's no wit. I wanted some wit of some sort. There's no wit. There's nothing. There's no. There's nothing to to really grab onto and invest in. That's because they're all shitty people and there's no heroes. And I get this story doesn't really have any heroes, but then you have to tell the story differently. <laughs> well, right. And if you're not going to have, but I mean, you know. The Godfather didn't have any heroes. They made Michael. They just kind of followed him around. You know, whatever, all these movies that don't have heroes, they at least picked a character to follow. And the other right. things going on. And they don't, I guess Don Cheadle's the closest thing to that in this, but they, they leave him for long periods of time. 
So it's not he's not Michael Corleone in this. It's not even Scarface <laughs> right. follows you know Tony Montana around. This doesn't have <laughs> that character. Yeah, and and Don Cheadle's just so remote. Like he's not 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 that he's not the not charismatic. He is, but it's just he's he's so he's so distanced. He's so focused on on what he's doing that that he's not inviting you to be at his side. Uh, Benicio del Toro is not an actor that really has ever invited you to be <laughs> to be on his side, and so you're just kind of unmoored. And that can be a fun experience if you're in the right movie. Like uh, I don't know. Pulp Fiction doesn't have a hero, but but you're invested because of the rhythm and the excitement and the strangeness of the story. You're 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 invested in that. And all of that, there is no rhythm. There's no excitement. There's no strangeness. No. It's just literally telling you a story, and then you just get distracted by Ray Liotta and Matt Damon popping up in it. You know, it's not <laughs> not that again. Nothing's wrong with it. It's just it's like a textbook with a lot of yeah. twists and. So you got the some of the greatest actors reading this textbook, and it's probably better than it should be if anybody else did it, you yeah. know, this yeah. way. But it, it just it's not to me. It's gonna yeah. be forgotten. I would probably hate this if it were another director. Oh, absolutely. I don't really. I don't know what other critics are seeing in this. <laughs> like, that's what. I'm, like I was looking at Rotten Tomatoes. It's getting really great reviews, and I think it's at a certain point it's just oh look Soderbergh positive review <laughs> well there's nothing wrong with it i mean it's so it's right. great direction it's great acting the story's a it's it's informa- it's informative it's well put together it's just not entertaining so that it'd be better it would be better as a documentary it'd be better as a documentary or one of those adam k weird you know <laughs> if you did like the big short or something like that in this tone or, or not this in the big short tone something like that would work better or somehow you did you know like you mentioned pulp fiction if you somehow added that rhythm gave it something a little bit of life right. to make it more entertaining i i don't know i just but it, i'll never go back to this i'll probably never talk about it again and i'll probably forget yeah. about it by the end of the episode there and, was a documentary a few years ago about this art heist and uh, they, they never recovered the painting and they're telling the story of how they think the heist went and it's just this re- it's a really great heist movie and all it is is just people telling you the story of of the people who were involved at the moment and the artist and, the, and it, it's really great it's got a great rhythm to it and, and and a level of absurdity to it and yet it's just basically telling you a true story and i mean if that guy i wish i could remember the top off the top of my head what that documentary was but if that guy were telling the story, I'd probably be riveted. <laughs> right. This was, you know, in some ways, too much up its own ass in a lot. Yeah. And that's what happens when you're good, I guess. Sometimes. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our classic speed. Completely random choice. We were just talking about it last week, and would have we been, like, just... ne- been perfect for next week's show. <laughs> Nine sites. <laughs> but anyway. I'm glad we watched it. Yeah, I really love this movie. Uh, it's really, it's a really well-made action movie. It's just, it's really clever. And and um, Keanu Reeves plays an LAPD bomb squad guy who's partnered with Jeff Bridget or Jeff Daniels, and uh, uh, they come across a bomber played by Dennis Hopper who has, at first, he's rigged this elevator to blow, and he's trying to hold that for ransom, and they manage to uh, foil that, but then he sets his eyes on Keanu Reeves' character and decides that he's going to 
challenge him directly and by putting this bomb on this bus. And if the bus goes below 50, the bus will explode. And then there are all sorts of people on the bus who complicate things in various different ways. Sandra Bullock ends up driving the bus. Keanu Reeves gets himself on the bus and uh, <laughs> somehow they end up on a freeway that's not finished and they jump a bus across a 50 foot space. it's ridiculous in many ways but it's ridiculous in, in, in the great ways that uh, movies of the 90s were kind of ridiculous and I don't know if we can do this type of earnest action anymore like the forgot the, the future war is kind of an earnest action movie in its way and it, and you just don't buy it <laughs> whereas this movie is incredibly earnest in its way and you completely buy it and I think part of it too is though they create an intensity that they never let up on, and so you're on the edge of your seat, not realizing you're not questioning things you should be questioning because it's so <laughs> intense. Uh, I mean, having seen it so many times, watching it again, it was just like, well, there's no way you're going 50 miles an hour on the shoulder there, you know, stuff that you know, obviously the jumping the the bridge, right, <laughs> but. In the moment when I was watching it throughout the, you know, 94, 95, when I was watching it over and over again, because I loved this movie uh, as a kid, it it just had me had me the whole time that I didn't think to, I didn't have time to question anything. Yeah. And other than, you know, they, they made you believe they could jump that bridge. <laughs> they made you believe... <laughs> Everything that happened in that movie, and I, I appreciate right. that about this year. It would be, it would take a lot today, with you know as cynical as we are now that our generation's more grown up, and we're definitely more the cynical generation. We're definitely more the. I, I, it would take a lot more to make it work. Uh, yeah, I, I would be. This is one of those movies I'd be scared to show a young person. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, "That's dumb. That bus isn't going to go that fast." <laughs> yeah poking holes in it i'm curious like i i feel like i mean my son's probably too young to be that person to poke holes in it but i think if he watched it now which he didn't watch with me i was planning on it but i just ran out of time uh i watched it alone if he had watched i think it would grab him in enough but yeah yeah, my daughter you know a teenager right now yeah that's where i don't know but this is so much i mean i totally understand why Sandra bullock became a star after this she She's runs so this good, movie right? yeah yeah I, effortless effortless star power in her and she makes him better like I, I really honestly feel like that that dynamic between the two of them made him better because prior to this he he was not an actor that i really enjoyed watching uh even in the bill and ted movies i i kind of i kind of liked the persona of of the bill and ted thing but uh, anything else he did, just he was very bland to me. And here he gets a little bit of color because she's giving him color. She's making him, she's drawing him out and and making him a little bit lighter and uh, more dynamic. And I think I think that comes from their chemistry. I think that comes with his comfort with her. I think he's not necessarily uh, generally an actor who finds that level of comfort at this at this age or prior to this. He wasn't finding that level of comfort. He was just kind of narrow eyed and just kind of focused on what's in the script and I need to do the next thing in the script very robotically. And with her, it just, there's a looseness. It just feels like, like she's doing things that might not be in the script and he's like following her because he's interested in where she's going. Yeah. I've always found him to be kind of an awkward actor, 
but at yeah. later in his career he kind of embraced the awkwardness this is like the least awkward thing he's ever done like he's this is a close to like a full-blown action star other than now the john wick movies but even then it's still a keanu reeves you know he, his his persona plays a role in that john wick this is like a straight ahead action movie that i I don't think he's done since or before, and it's just kind of weird because he's such a unique actor. You know, it'd be yeah. like if, if Nick Cage played Conair straight. You know, I, I don't know. It, it's hard to. He doesn't. This is the most. It's not his best performance, obviously, but for me, it, it just I like him the best in this because it's not. You lose a lot of the, and I suppose that's a bad thing, but the what makes Keanu Reeves Keanu Reeves is not in this movie. And I think it's because Sandra Bullock pulls it out of him, but in a good Absolutely. way, in a good yeah. way. Cause sometimes that stuff, I mean, knock, knock, you know, sometimes Keanu Reeves gets in his own way too, <laughs> uh, with the wrong director And this. I mean, I don't know who the director is. Nobody. Jan DeBont. Okay. Uh, he's a, it was, he's done a lot of things. He did the perfect storm, I think. Okay. And, uh, yeah, action director, cinematographer. Most for, before this, this was his first uh, blockbuster. I think his first big movie after being a cinematographer on other big movies. Yeah, I've seen this movie more than more times than I care to admit. I had a poster the size of my wall on. I mean, I got it from the video <laughs> store. Uh, I don't know. I I loved this movie, and was, I'm glad it still holds up for what. I mean, I'm like again, I'm. I grew up with it, so maybe it doesn't hold up. Yeah. Maybe you're right. You don't show it to a younger person, but I am looking forward to showing my son because we have been watching old action movies lately, and he's been getting into all of them. So, you know, it's it's you know what the, you know what it really that that works so well in this is pacing. They found mm-hmm. the right perfect pace because you don't have time to sit there no. while Joe Mort while Joe Morton is going play the record it record it record it now play it back play it back play it back like you don't have time to think how is he what are you doing how are you connected to- no they're just making you, you believe he's, yeah, making you believe he's invested in it and you just you're just going yeah and even the the cheesy you know action lines the uh, pop quiz hot shot that kind of stuff they just find a way to not i don't know it's not it, it just finds that well, perfect that is- lane yeah, Dennis Hopper is just such a silly persona to begin with that, you know, yeah, I get it. <laughs> and this was my introduction to Dennis Hopper as a kid, so it was, I mean, I don't know, I just, I love this movie. I just, I really do. And I got uh, I got two cannons on this movie in my head. For <laughs> me, Speed 2 doesn't exist, never happened, not a real movie. The other one that I have is that Alan Ruck's character in Speed is Cameron from Ferris Bueller. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. <laughs> what about the other canon? Uh, what was the movie that Sandra Bullock and Canaries did together later on? <laughs> the Lake House? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all. But even in this movie, they take time to explain why he's not in Speed 2. <laughs> Which I just find amazing in and of itself. Uh, because... Why wasn't he in Speed 2? Well, he didn't want to do it. But they right. mentioned in the movie that relationships are built on, I don't remember the, what the phrase is, <laughs> uh, never work out. And then sure no. enough, they don't work out because they're not in the sequel and Jason Patrick is. Well, luckily that doesn't exist, though. Right. <laughs> All right.
right, let's move on to the more popular actually, but I still like Speed 2 better. Uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day turns 30. And really, what, what I came away with watching this again, because this movie means a lot to me from my childhood. You know, I was, I was 14 when this came out. Like, this is, you know, prime stuff for me. Guns and Roses, you you could be my, you should be it just that that song was my summer this movie yeah. was my summer this this movie is my childhood i can't watch it objectively because this movie made me feel what was possible in a movie like i'd seen jaws and i'd seen all these other i'd seen jurassic park <laughs> i'd seen all those movies like right and not Jurassic park whatever say, jurassic uh, other park black out yet. <laughs> yeah but uh, other, I've seen other things. I've seen other major incredible things, but this one with the with what they do with the villain character and what they do with the T with you know with with Schwarzenegger is just it's all all the special effects and action is so incredible uh, that it made me realize for the first time in my life like this this like first semi adult realization of that this is what movies can do this is what's possible in a film and I didn't realize that before this. I, I I regarded movies, but I didn't think about movies. And I thought about this movie because I thought, my God, there's nothing they can't do. <laughs> and that's what this movie gave me in a in a that a way that I that I can't be objective about in in many ways. Uh, but the other thing I took away from watching this is that is that this is really where the Terminator story should have ended. Like the, every this renders further mercenary everything that comes after. Like it's I know it was all mercenary to begin with, but but truly like this really exposes every other Terminator movie because it is so final. It, like it ends in a way that that uh, doesn't leave anything open and uh, and. To, for them to continuously go back and uh, and try and re- recapture this is just this endless soulless cash chasing garbage and there even things I might like about the other Terminator movies I can't like anymore after watching this again because I now I real I remember now that this was it this is where that ended <laughs> Terminator doesn't exist after this yeah, it's funny because I was 11 when this came out and I was 15 when Speed came out. That's why I think Speed in my a lot of ways is my Terminator 2, <laughs> you know, because that was that perfect age. It was my movie, that, the first kind of adult movie that I saw uh, in a theater. And then this one, I this one you can't, I, never, I didn't see it at 10, but I was aware of it. I mean, I knew the Guns N' Roses song. I knew all the lines, especially all 40 words that Schwarzenegger says in the movie or whatever, they became iconic. So you kind of seen it without seeing it. So by the time I finally got around to it, you know, all my friends are talking about it. Like it's the best thing ever. And I'm like, I don't get it. And cause I, I it wasn't mine because it was the year generations, you know, the couple years older than me that got it. And I, and I watched it recently. I watched it, you know, this year, with my son and he didn't get it as much either. My favorite thing about it's you could be mine. <laughs> and that's <laughs> I like I don't think Eddie Furlong's good in it. I, I just I don't no. find it's not fun cheesy. It's not I, I don't know. I don't I can't I, can't I, I find my, the I find the pacing to be very exciting. I find the action set pieces to be rather incredible and boldly violent for for for, for the period. Yeah. Uh, in uh, uh 
and you know, I was thinking about it when it comes to when it comes to Cameron in this period before he turns into a complete asshole. <laughs> is that is that while while Spielberg and and, uh, and Lucas and those guys are looking backwards all the time with Raiders of the Lost Ark and even Star Wars, even though it's set in space, it's still a movie that is rooted in the past. Cameron was looking forward. Like Cameron is making a movie in this moment. He is making a movie that is going into the future while everybody else is still, you know, replaying the past. And that this movie is, is a flashpoint in, in history to that, that brings a lot of other filmmakers forward, good and bad, because again, this is also part of that, you know, blockbuster thing where, uh, you know, it's a tentpole. It, it sets a new blockbuster, a new box office record and, and that sends the wrong message to Hollywood to continue to try and tap right. these things over and over again. But for its moment, just in its moment, uh, it was the possibility. It was the like somebody who was cr- taking all the tools out of the box and using every single one of them, script, character, and special effects. And that that to me makes this movie just that much more special. No, And I get it. And I've always been... Like action set pieces clearly don't mean anything to me, and uh, I'm not a fan. Like special effects don't, unless they really suck. I, I, you know, I, I don't appreciate them the way other people do, and I'm not saying I'm better for that. I just, to me, it's just like okay, there's lasers, <laughs> or there's the, you know, whatever. So that's why I'm not a big Star Wars. And then you, you grow up throwing the fact that I didn't, like I, in the moment, I wasn't watching it. So, you know, Star Wars, this, Indiana Jones, not that Indiana Jones is special effects, but I did some. But, you know, I wasn't in, I wasn't part of the group that got to enjoy this for the first time. So it, it's, there's no history with that for me. And then on the top of that, while I can appreciate, I understand that, yes, this definitely changed things. Star Wars changed things. There's always that tentpole movie that changed things for good and bad. Uh, I, I can, I've always just been a less is more. And I don't know. I know Stallone has his bad movies, but Rocky was pretty simple. Uh, Rambo was pretty simple. <laughs> they, were, they were very easier for me to appreciate without having to deal with the over-the-top uh, future stuff that that these movies called for. And I again there's nothing wrong with that. It clearly it works. Everybody loves this movie. I just I have a heart I can't I have no there's not even a little bit of nostalgia with it for me that I other than you could be mine, which when that pops on I'm like, oh this is okay, I'm back in. <laughs> and Such again, a great song. Uh, a- probably their best song if, in a right? lot of ways. Because it wasn't overplayed yeah. like the other big three were uh, that's a hell of a song. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. I love that. That's definitely there, right up there. Another I, note I have about this movie, and I think, and it and it goes to, and it goes to kind of a cynical place, but also to to a place where just Cameron at this point is very smart. He's a very smart director. He still is, but he's also an asshole now. <laughs> he doesn't. He's grown to that place where he can't be told anything anymore. He can be told stuff at this point, uh, but he. He takes the Eddie Furlong character, right? And I know that the Eddie Furlong character is probably the weakest aspect of it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, he took a kid and made him the center point of a blockbuster violent movie. And that is incredibly smart because you can immediately he's he's not a great actor. You can put you can be Eddie Furlong. Yeah. You can be this kid. And and that is exciting 
when you're that age, you're looking at that kid and you think I could be him. That's exciting. That makes sense. But in a lot of ways, he ruined his life. <laughs> it's all Cameron's fault. I mean, it is if you, not. This isn't funny, the Eddie Front, but in a lot of ways, Cameron made the same movie over and over and over again. I mean, the, the story is very similar. You know, this one and even the first one, Rambo Two, follows a very similar storyline, and he wrote that one. Uh, just very repetitive stories, but he's such a good visual filmmaker that. Uh, I, I mean, it is it is sleek. It is it is streamlined. It, you know, it's like a it's like a great looking motorcycle in many ways. Like it's just it's so sleek and so metallic, and and it just it looks perfect in so many ways. And for that reason, he's earned the right to have his head up his ass. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, like, I always am going to go back to story and performance before anything else, and that's right. right. Why I can never get in the Avatar movies? Story. <laughs> I care how good it looks. I enjoy, so dumb. I enjoyed the first experience being there watching it, but I hated the story. Right. And I don't know. I just I don't know. <laughs> Anything else on Terminator I, Two? Go ahead. I just every t- when I, the second I heard Unobtainium, I was out. I was out. It was yeah, like that, that was the fourth wall to me. That was the, it was that the heart a- muscle thing. <laughs> That that is the turd in the wind. <laughs> that is, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you one hundred percent. Yeah, we should do a whole bonus episode about lines that took us out of the movie. Yeah, I think, yeah. There's been movies I like, like Paranormal Activity was a movie I was into, and then all of a sudden, towards the end, they start watching some exorcism thing on YouTube, and they just pulled me out of the movie all the way. <laughs> yeah, there's so many that just pops to my mind. But yeah, that's funny. yeah. I don't think I would. I don't think I would like Venom even without that. But I didn't hate Venom. But I don't like. I wasn't deeply invested in Venom. But that line, I was like, oh, gross! Come on, man. No. Yeah. <laughs> then, then the you fail to recognize that the heart is just a muscle. And he's got two other lines in that movie. Like that. <laughs> I mean, that should almost be on the poster next to his face. <laughs> but you know what, though? You know what about we're turning to Schwarzenegger in this movie? Like he. He is underestimated at how great he is at delivering these lines the way he does. He 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 has a self seriousness and a self possession that is so strong and a confidence to sell that stuff that it, he should look like a fool. You should cringe when he says "Hasta la vista, baby," but you don't. You don't. You don't cringe. You kind of smile a little bit, or you kind of like you're you're just with him. You're on his side when he does it, and it's because it, it, he's. He's learned this from this kid, and it's instead of being this cringy line, it's his bond with this child, and what he's you know tr- the the way he's adapting uh, humanity into himself as a learning cyborg, like that's that's really cool. <laughs> that is that is really cool. And the other thing about it, you don't have to worry about it holding up or not holding up because it's become so ingrained in pop culture. My son knows the line. You know, from other things, from whatever he's YouTube, any I'm sure Minecraft's had something with it. It's just like us when we go back and watch these movies from the 30s, the Draculas and whatnot. All of a sudden, or any classic, and you hear the line for the first time that you've been hearing over and over again your whole life. This movie has is that on several different lines in this movie that it's not cringe even. 30 years later, there's no cringe value to it because of the iconic nature that it's reached. So 
you know that in a lot of ways says a lot about the movie but too. I, but I also say that within the movie, though, just oh. establishing it the way they do within the film oh. and the way he delivers it and adapts it into himself as part of this character, I think he's desperately underestimated as to how good he is in this movie. Oh, I, I agree completely. But I, definitely in the time, I could see over if this wasn't as iconic. Thirty years down the line, people being more eye rolling over it. But definitely right. as the movie, yeah, no, I agree. But it has reached that level of it's it's just one of those it's still a tentpole movie and uh I it just was never mine. <laughs> so <I> just, <laughs> and maybe I just go out of my way to not like movies that aren't mine. I don't know. Uh yeah. Josh is nodding his head. <laughs> hey Josh, that's no, not why we hate that's no not why better. we hate Lord of the Rings. <laughs> he, he is no better. True. <laughs> Love you, Josh. <laughs> uh, let's go to the. I know neither one of us watched it. Problem Child Two came out too. Uh, oh yeah, I completely forgot. Who gives a shit? <laughs> anyway, it is. So are, is I know you mentioned you're watching a movie this week called Pig. Is that available next week or no? I don't know when it's available. Um, yeah, it's it's the new Nicolas Cage, and I have it, and I'm going to watch it soon. When we do do it on the show, we should do that other one we talked about that Willie's Wonderland or Wally's whatever that Wonderland movie was. Yeah, I, I heard he doesn't say a word in that movie. I heard that too, and I was kind of like baffled by that. And a friend of mine but was I've, like, "I've heard good things." A friend of mine came. She said she sent me a message on Snapchat saying we need to create a Nicolas Cage movie club where we just once a month or once every two months watch a Nicolas Cage movie all the way make sure we see everything in his catalog <laughs> and i was like i would do that i think i would be up for that challenge <laughs> i'm i'm doing that through nathan raven in his podcast uh he's doing the, the travolta cage podcast where he's watching a travolta and a cage movie and he's all building up to writing a new book uh about each of them that i, I i'm excited about i don't think travolta has it's just not the same with travolta like he's just bad or he's with a good director <laughs> <There's> no <laughs> in between cage you can just surprise you even like a bad cage movie you could be like god he was having fun <laughs> i yeah. enjoyed that movie <laughs> anyway that is our show next week we've got black widow how i became a superhero on netflix no loss no gain our classic's going to be ghost world and in 1991, Boys in the Hood, Point Break, and Regarding Henry, Turn 30. Point Break. Oh, man. <laughs> Feels like we were just praising Keanu, and now we have to take a huge step backwards. <laughs> I mean, that's one of those movies people love for the wrong reasons, because it's so silly and dumb. But he's awkward in that movie. <laughs> it's so awkward. And he was awkward after Speed, and then Matrix hit and became a huge star, and then he just, I don't know, he found a way to channel his awkwardness and really make it work. But, yeah, uh, before we head on to Flickchart, I do want to tell you about our contest. We are doing if you give us five stars, you have a shot to win a couple. Um, Blu-rays, are they both Asian horror movies? I know one is. One is a, one's a horror movie. Um, uh, well, a kind of an action violent movie, I guess, right. more than uh, more than a horror movie. The other one's a, a World War II movie about the world's largest battleship. Well, if you give us a five star review and 
uh, you'll have a chance. Uh, you'll win a copy of those. We'll read the review on the air. Check out our social media pages. Critics Pod is our handle. They're pinned at the top if you want more details. And then send us a message letting us know you did it so we can find it if it's not on Apple Podcasts. Uh, otherwise, let's just jump over to Flickchart and see. Do that for a little bit and get out of here. Where is Safari? Share and Flickchart. All right, Hot Fuzz, Final Destination 2. Uh, Final Destination 2 for me. I just don't like Hot Fuzz. I don't know why that movie had to be two and a half hours long. And not funny. I'll go Hot Fuzz only because I don't like the Final Destination movies. I don't love either one of them. But you win. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge, The Day After Tomorrow. Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Agreed. Day After Tomorrow is unwatchable. Very much so. Thor The Dark World, Child's Play. Thor The Dark World. The weakest Marvel movie is still better than Child's Play. (laughs) Yep. Blade Trinity, The Constant Gardener. Constant Gardener. Blade Trinity was a big step down. Very bad. Who Framed Roger Rabbit Taken? Roger Rabbit all the way. Absolute classic. Absolutely. The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, Three Men and a Baby. Jesse James. Friday the 13th, Part 2, Bill and Ted, Part (laughs) 2. I could not care less. (laughs) Which one do you like? I don't like either one. Uh, Probably Bogus Journey. Jason didn't have his mask yet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sherlock Holmes Office Space Office Space Yes Thor The Dark World The Day of the Earth Stood Still in 1951 I really love the 1951 The Day of the Earth Stood Still I really think people should see it I'm Beavis and Butthead Do America Delirious Beavis and Butthead Yes Sunshine Godzilla 1998 Sunshine. Godzilla was just impossible to sit through. Yes. Scrooged, seven pounds. Scrooged. Agreed. Seven pounds isn't bad. I didn't like seven pounds that much. The yeah. big short Black Hawk Down. Big short. Black Hawk Down's good, though. Yeah. It's more homework of the two, though. Green Lantern, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark. The Book of Eli, The Rocketeer. Book of Eli, I guess. The Golden Compass, Live Free or Die Hard. Uh, Golden Compass isn't a bad movie. <laughs> die Hard. Whereas Die Hard 4 is. Yeah, that's really to me when the I got lost in Die Hard movies is part four. The Punisher, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Which one do you find more punishing? I've never seen either one of them. They're both equally punishing, but I guess How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is, has Kate Hudson to look at. So, I mean, yeah, give me that one. I'm sure that one accomplished what it was trying to. Yeah. <laughs> and The Punisher is a big miss. Uh, so, let's learn kids where to put the bar. If you set it low enough, you'll hit what you want to. <laughs> Injustice for All, Four Rooms. Injustice for All. Yeah. First Blood, You've Got Mail. <laughs> first Blood. Yeah. That is the first one, right? Yes. 
Okay, yeah, but yes. Inner Space, Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. Analyze this, babe. Babe. Just to piss Josh off, I'm going to flip it. Because <laughs> I do like Analyze This, even though I know Babe's a better movie. And Babe wins. 127 hours, you only live twice. 127 hours. Hell of a movie. Fantastic. Sling Blade into the wild. Into the wild. I've never seen Sling Blade. Really? I recommend it. Well, someday, when we make it a classic, <laughs> I'll have a chance to see it. It's hard to find time to watch movies outside of the podcast. The Manchurian Candidate, Hunger Games, Mocking Jay Part 2. Hunger Games. And that's the remake of The Manchurian Candidate. Beauty and the Beast 2017, Wanted. Beauty and the Beast... Yeah, it was kind of neat. I don't hate Wanted. I don't love it either, but... Yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> fair. Dark Man, The Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs. Fight Club, The Truman Show. Fight Club. Agreed. Mouse Hunt, Dog Day Afternoon. <laughs> Dog Day Afternoon. <laughs> that was just such a weird... Yeah. yeah. Dunkirk once. Once. Absolutely. The men who stare at goats, Jack. Men who stare at goats. Yes. Jack is a just unwashable piece of crap. <laughs> Ten Cloverfield Lane or hit or what? Or oh, Psycho. <laughs> it's like Hitchcock. Psycho. Absolutely. Rango, along came a spider. Rango. Great movie. Miami Vice, Spy Game. Spy Game for me. I'll go with you. I don't really care. An American Tale. <laughs> <laughs> <That's why> I, <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to our podcast listeners, but you can't, you can't see what we can see right now. <laughs> it's an American Tale, Eyes Wide Shut, which really an American Tale should have a quola next to it with Eyes Wide Shut as the subtitle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, you're seeing what I'm seeing, right? I'm not crazy. <laughs> oh Jesus! I didn't even look at the posters. I just looked at the titles. I didn't. It's not. a magic eye poster. <laughs> yes, it is. Wow. <sighs> there's I mean, a. I think there's an eye, but it looks like a vagina. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that's the intention. Yes. Woo, that's eyes wide shut. By <laughs> agreed. That is a striking poster, though. I've never seen that poster for that movie. I have not either. I just love the idea wow. of an American tail and eyes wide shut together. <laughs> Matchstick oh. men, Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift. I don't give a shit. I'll flip it anyway. <laughs> you win every time anyway. The only person who loves Tokyo Drift. Barton Fink twins. A Barton Fink. I didn't need to think about that. <laughs> Hugo, Super Mario Brothers. Hugo. 
Hitman Attack the Block. Attack the Block. Yes. Glorious Bastards Pulp Fiction. Wow, it's Pulp Fiction, but they're both amazing. Yeah. Barton Fink AI. Barton Fink. Agreed. Ninja Turtles 8mm. 1990 Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Ninja Turtles. It's I agreed. Amazing Spider-Man 2, Save the Last Dance. Save the Last Dance. Thought we were going to be flipping for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind the Spider-Man movie. Save the Last Dance is a really good film. I and I love Julia Stiles. Yeah, It's a Wonderful Life, Vanilla Sky. I know a lot of people are going to hate me for this. I'm taking Vanilla Sky. Jesus fucking Christ. Vanilla Sky wins. I took It's a Wonderful Life, though. But the coin does not like me. Cocktail, my best friend's wedding. I could go either way. What do you think? Again, it's back to the, the bar. And best my best friend's wedding set the bar lower and accomplished what they were going for. Cocktail did not accomplish it at all. <laughs> I don't like the movie. Don't get me wrong. But right. Spy Game, The Substitute. Never seen The Substitute 1961? Neither have I. Spy Game Parasite. Parasite. Yeah. Madeline 1998, Atonement. Atonement. Agreed. Serendipity, That Thing You Do. That Thing You Do. Sorry, Josh. I'm not sorry. Absolutely. (laughs) This is a tough one. Young Guns or Broken Arrow? (laughs) Broken Arrow. This is the closest Travolta came to being Nicolas Cage, I think. Right. Moonraker, 12 Monkeys. 12 Monkeys. Some Like It Hot, The Da Vinci Code. Some Like It Hot. Yes. Rambo Part 2, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> I can't I win stand one. part two. Go back and I can't watch stand it. any of the Rambo. The Rambo sequels, I just can't stand. Rambo two was a ton of fun, and I know yeah. you didn't watch it when it turned thirty. And it's promising you're misremembering. It is way more fun. It is the only good one outside of the first one. The change up sparrows. I've not seen sparrows. Neither have I. Robin Hood Men in Tights, the change up. Robin Hood. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I'll go with you. I mean, the change up is Bateman and Reynolds, but it should be more <laughs> it's memorable. Funny. But it should, with those two, <laughs> it should be more memorable than it yeah. is. Fletch, Land of the Dead. Which one is Land of the Dead? Because I'm not sure. Is that one of the weird sequels, or is I that think the. That's the fourth Romero movie of the night. I don't know if I've, I don't, I don't actually have much of a memory of it. Okay. Neither do I. Halloween two Fletch. They're both insufferable in different ways. <laughs> Which one do you like? Probably Halloween two. Yeah, that's fine. Behind me. Not that I mean I don't hate either one of them like you do. I don't. Chevy Chase's reputation hurts Flush a little bit, Fletch a little bit, but Spectre, Mouse Hunt, Spectre, 
Big Mama's House, Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man. Yes. Catwoman, The Omen. The Omen. Agreed. District 9, A Walk to Remember. <laughs> Fuck, come on. <laughs> Fine, District 9. You just don't like to watch Manny Moore die. <laughs> Zombieland, Never Say Never Again. She had pretty cancer. Uh, Zombieland. Was that the first pretty cancer movie? or <laughs> I'm sure there was some before it. It was, it was up there, yeah. It was our generation's pretty cancer movie. <laughs> <laughs> Quantum of Solace, Sway. I've not seen Sway. Neither have I. Quantum of Solace or Casper. <laughs> this is a conspiracy to to make me say to make me choose James Bond movies that I hate. Yeah, we've picked way too many <laughs> Bond movies this episode. That never happens. I know. I hate it. It's making me mad. Run Girl Run 1928. Never seen. Never. It? All right. No. Rocky 4 Wag the Dog. Wag the Dog. Yeah, that's hard because Wag the Dog is definitely a better movie. Dustin Hoffman. But Rocky kinda... Four is Rocky Four. I, yes. I get it. And, and I really hate Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> so I'm on the edge here of picking Rocky Four. Uh, so if you want to take it that direction, I'll flip it just in case. I mean, I I won't be hurt if Wag the Dog won, wins because I love that movie. And in a lot of ways, they do get to kill Dustin Hoffman at the end. <laughs> And it does win. So I guess I can go with Back the Dog. It, it really takes everything you hate about Dustin Hoffman, wraps him into that character, and then throws him away. <laughs> so I, <laughs> yeah. I can have, this is a fucked up one. The gra- <laughs> I'm so mad right now. The Graduate yeah. or Pay It Forward? <laughs> the Graduate. Uh, I mean, a, a blank screen for the same amount of time is better than Pay It Forward. Halle Berry flashing John Travolta or The Day After Tomorrow? <laughs> Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Evolution. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? I do have a soft spot for Evolution. Yeah, Minority Report, When Harry Met Sally. Minority Report. I haven't seen it, so I'll just go with you. Date Night, Freddy's Revenge. Freddy's Revenge. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I like Date Night, but I mean, Freddy's Revenge is memorable. I don't have a memory of either one of them, but that's okay. I didn't. Again, I was like four years younger, and those are a magical four years. A lot happens in those <laughs> in that time. Legend of Tarzan, the Imitation Game. Imitation Game. They're both bad movies, though. Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, Conan the Barbarian. Jurassic World. Agreed. The Mascot, 1934. All right. Yeah. Miss Congeniality, The Brothers Bloom. (sighs) (laughs) Miss Congeniality because it's shorter and easier to watch. And she was so good in speed today. (laughs) (laughs) She's got positive vibes coming from that. Right now, Yeah. yeah. If it were Miss Congeniality 2, it would be a whole different story. She's already spent all her cred by then. Yeah. Can't hardly wait, Pet Cemetery. Can't hardly wait. Doesn't get much worse than Pet Cemetery. Casino Sky High. That's tough. 
It's really, <laughs> I mean, it's sky high for me if I'm being totally honest. That is what I'm kind of with you because I mean, Casino is the least of Scorsese and it's homeworky, mm-hmm. and Sky High is not. I mean, Sky High was probably the last movie I watched all the time. Like, there's no reason for me as an adult at that point watching this movie like every day. <laughs> uh, Take so, it. All right. Apollo 13, The Kingdom. Apollo 13. Agreed. The Kingdom is another one of those failures, you know, where they're, where people are taking on the Iraq war, but they have no balls. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody has the nerve to say anything bad about it. it just And it's just got to be, uh, they take the easy way out, you know, just say what the soldiers are, are great, and then there are bad people, and there might be bad people in our government, maybe. It's like just such wishy-washy bullshit. The Kingsman, Secret Service, Conan the Barbarian. Uh, uh, the Kingsman. Okay. Captain America, the first Avenger, a cat in the brain. <laughs> that looks phenomenal. Next week's classic cat. <laughs> if we can find that, we really should watch I want to see it now. It's so bad. I don't know what it is, but it's so weird. Yeah. For those listening, it's a, it's a guy hit a cat and their faces are just put together inside of the moon <laughs> it's half of his face and half of a cat's face yeah well you guys are here oh, wow. watching me type before we let you go we're gonna <laughs> see if this is available to watch the cat in the brain <laughs> 1990 what are you cat in the brain only on Blu-ray. It doesn't. Oh, it's Fulci. Oh. It's a Lucio Fulci movie. All right. Two Blu-rays and one CD. What the hell? Yeah, let's see if we can find it on YouTube or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully we can add it to next week's show. All right, that's our show. <laughs> it's a good way to go out. Yeah. <sighs> we picked First Avenger, but. Oh, I don't know if I picked anything. I just moved on, turned it off. All right. Talk to you guys (laughs) next week. (laughs) Bye.